The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do, now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with honest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord Did Jesus really just say that? Not the part at the end about how you can't serve two masters, but the part earlier where he says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Did Jesus actually tell us to accumulate dishonest wealth? And then once we've accumulated, to use it to make friends, to buy influence? So that when it fails, those friends will use their influence to get us into heaven? This sounds more like a corrupt influence peddling scheme than a gospel message. Call the FBI, the Vatican, 60 Minutes. Let's hold on for just a minute. What if rather than using the term dishonest wealth, we use the term worldly wealth? Then this phrase makes much more sense. What Jesus is saying is rather than pursuing material wealth as a means in and of itself, that we should use whatever means God gives us to help and care for others, to support the church, so that when it fails, and it will fail because we will all die, and when we die, whatever we have accumulated on earth will be of no value to us in terms of material goods, But when it fails, then we can use our proper use of it while on this earth to gain the reward of eternal life. 
So with this better understanding of what Jesus meant, then I ask the question, can Jesus make us rich if he wants to? I mean, he's God, right? He can do anything. He can have us win the lottery. He can have some unknown uncle or cousin that we don't know about leave us $50 million. He can have one of the kids dig up a diamond the size of a coconut in the backyard. He's God. He can certainly make us rich. But if he can, why doesn't he? Because his plan for us in his creation is not our worldly comfort, but our eternal life. In choosing to create us with a free will, he chose also to create us to live in a world where the choices we make with the free will that he gave us will impact our eternal life. If we were all rich and wanted for nothing, there would be far less opportunity to choose to love God and neighbor more than self. But since God allows there to be need in the world, he also allows us the chance to respond to that need, to show we love him and our neighbor. Remember the judgment story where he tells those on one side, you didn't feed me, you didn't give me to drink, you didn't clothe me, and when you failed to do it for the least, you failed to do it for me. So really, every time we are confronted with someone in need, it's not really something to be avoided, but a chance to love. Then why is it so hard? I mean, it's tough to get past this preoccupation with financial security and material gain. I mean, I'm getting ready to retire, and every day I hear 25 or 50 messages, it seems, saying, do you have enough? Are you prepared? Are you this, that, and the other thing? It's hard to do. We want to control our finances. We think, God didn't give me that money. I earned it. Only I know how much I really need to get by. I'll give what I can to whom and when I choose, but let me be in control. Some of us want to have a prenuptial agreement with God, a pre-conversion agreement, if you will. Look, Lord, I will give you my heart and soul and strength and mind, but just let me keep control of the money. I have to confess, I used to be one of those people that hated to pull up to a stoplight where there might be a person holding a sign. You know, one of those signs that says, homeless, hungry, will work for food. Sometimes they write the whole story on it and the letters are so small you can't even read what they've written. But you get the message. Used to be that if I thought I saw one standing at the corner up ahead, I would try and time the light so I could coast through without having to stop. And if I ended up having to stop, then I would really try to preoccupy, preoccupy myself with my cell phone or my dashboard or something, anything to avoid eye contact. Then I'd have to deal with feeling guilty and would try to rationalize why I didn't give them anything. Well, what if they are going to use it to buy booze or drugs? I didn't know what they were going to do with the money. What if they aren't really needy and they're just taking advantage of people? I used to do all that stuff. Until I heard a talk by Father Larry Richards relaying a personal story from his experience. He said that he always made it a practice to give to every beggar that he saw. If anyone was asking for money, he gave them something. He says that he even gave to the professional gypsies in Rome that were known to drive a Mercedes to their begging spot and at the end of the day, drive a Mercedes home. 
He said he was on a pilgrimage to visit the tomb of St. Francis of Assisi in Italy. And he was really excited because it was something he always wanted to do. He said that the bus he was on was full of priests and seminarians, and knowing how excited he was to get there, when the bus stopped in Assisi, they all just stood aside so he could be the first one off the bus because they knew that Father Larry wanted to get off and get onto the place. He said it was on a hill, the basilica was, and that he had to go up three different levels of streets to get there. And then once at the basilica, it was three stories down to get to the actual room with the crypt. But that on the way, going up the streets to the basilica, he passed a man with no legs begging in the street. And in this case, he was in such a hurry to get where he was going, to have this experience, that he didn't stop. He just kept going and brushed by the man. He said he gets to the basilica and he goes down the three flights of stairs into the crypt and he's there and he's praying before the relics of St. Francis and the Eucharist that is present in a tabernacle that's also there. And he says he's praying, oh God, I am just so happy to be here. Thank you so much that I can be here to pray before the bones of St. Francis and in your holy presence. And he heard God say to him, go back and meet me where you just passed me on the street. He said he runs back up the stairs and back down the street, and of course the beggar is gone. Listening to that story helped me realize that giving to the poor isn't about them. It's about us. Here is a priest who makes it his policy and routine to give to everyone who begs. But in this one moment of weakness, excited to get to the bones of Francis, God calls him on it. It's not about you. It's about me. God calls us to be charitable in heart, mind, and spirit. He doesn't ask us to worry about what the person we give to does with the money. He asks us to give and not to count the cost. Now let me be clear. We must always choose to exercise good judgment in the circumstances of our giving. I would never expect a woman at night to be stopping on a street corner and opening her purse in front of a stranger. But there are many ways to give that are safe and secure. St. Vincent de Paul, Access, the Food Bank, many ways right here in the parish. But what if we struggle in this area? What can we do? Here's a novel idea. We could ask God to help us. Remember Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young man. He comes to Jesus and says, Lord, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus runs down a list of the commandments fairly quickly, and the young man says, I've done all these things since my youth. What more do I lack? And Jesus says, only one more thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And it says the young man left crestfallen because he had a great deal of material possessions. But the one mistake the young man made was that he didn't ask Jesus to help him change to overcome his attachment to the material possessions that he had. He comes to Jesus and recognizes him as Lord and teacher. He's seen him heal the sick and raise the dead, help all kinds of people. He knows Jesus can heal his body, but he doesn't think to ask him to heal his heart, to change him to be a more charitable giver. Jesus did not create us in the world in which we live to have us fail although we can fail. He created a world full of challenge 
And then he gave us himself and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us meet that challenge. We find it easy to ask God's help for so many things. Someone's ill, for job, relationships, family. My goodness, last night and this afternoon, there are people in this room that would pray about the outcome of a football game. But how often does any one of us ask God to give us a more charitable heart? To make us aware of the ways he wants us to give to others and to motivate us to do so. If we ask, how much do you think he wants to answer that prayer? One of the pilgrims to Medjugorje, on hearing of Mary's sorrow at her children's countless difficulties, that they had gone astray, said, When will this world change? When will people understand? And one of the visionaries responded, saying, When will the world change? When will people understand? Are not the questions we should be asking. But when will I change? When will I understand? We need to start with ourselves. Only then can we help others. The only soul I need to scrutinize is my own. When it is my turn to stand before God, he won't ask me about you. He will only ask me how well I answered his call. You know, I used to think when I heard the opening story of this gospel, when I heard about that steward calling in those debtors, asking how much they owed and then cutting it in half or taking percentages off, and handling the affairs that way, I thought, you know, this guy is just ripping off his master. He's just taking and giving his master's stuff away. And that's not right. And then I realized, you know, we are all just stewards of everything that we have. There is nothing that we have, no bank account, no IRA, no house, no car, nothing that is ours. It is all God's. And he's just given it to us to mine for him to be stewards for him during this brief time that we are on this earth. So he really asks us to do nothing more than that steward was doing. He asks us to give it back to him in his disguise as the needy and the poor. When we are called at the end of our life to give an account of our stewardship to our master, won't it be great to look him in the eye when he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And say, Lord, I gave it all away, just like you told me to. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.